Hi, this is Kathy. We're back with our next podcast, which is with Erica Road. Erica is the owner of um, Bitters, which is located at Sky Song. If you haven't been there, you might want to take a time to go and, and check it out. But welcome, um, Erica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your how you got into this business. So I have been in the service industry for about 15, 16 years now. Uh, started back in the day prior to my education, uh, doing nothing but um, service. So I did food running and I did service, you know, waitressing and bar backing and all the good stuff. Uh, worked my way through college and uh, graduated with management and marketing degrees and decided okay, I'm done with the restaurant industry. I'm gonna take a huge leap and go into retail management. So big leap right there. Um, but I did some management for big corporations like Target and did some stuff with Total Wine and ended up getting into market management and development. And that's where my liquor industry experience came from. Over the last seven years, I've done market management development uh, and then learning a lot about the small uh, distributors and distilleries and breweries and all that good stuff. And I knew from an early age that I always wanted to be in business for myself, wanted to watch something grow and build something from the ground up. So after working really hard in corporate life and building a successful um, multiple businesses for other organizations I decided it was time to, to do it for myself so that's how I got into this uh, little venture for my, for my on my own very interesting so tell me a little bit about bitters if those for those people who don't know and and aren't don't have a real strong background in alcohol and liquor liquor what what would you how would you describe what bitters is and not the not your operation but what are bitters yeah great a lot of people pronounce it uh, I've, I've found that a lot of people pronounce it as biters but no we're not biters around <laughs> here it's it's bitters uh, so bitters actually the old old meaning of bitters and where it originated from it was used for medicinal purposes to create and to promote appetite so a lot of people when they would get sick back in the day used to take a little shot of bitters which is non-alcoholic it's a it's a root um, uh, additive but they it would actually help to promote and calm their stomach and get them ready to eat again that was the old-fashioned meaning uh, then we went through prohibition days in the United States and uh, they started to realize that bitters actually helped to mask the bad alcohol that we used to have back in the day, like really bad whiskey and uh, really bad uh, spirits. It helped to mask and make a cocktail much better. It was used to, to uh, uh, you know, put something special into every drink. So as the years have passed since that time, a lot of people have been creating some really neat bitters. Uh, every flavor you can imagine, chocolate, orange, celery, uh, rhubarb, everything you can imagine. And so for me, uh, a bitters really does that for this place. Bitters helps to promote appetite and, and it also helps to make our cocktails fantastic. Really, very interesting. <laughs> and so you've come up with a, a, a menu um, you've, you've, let's talk about your food menu first. If you don't, well, what, what would you rather talk about first? Is your um, <laughs> your go. alcohol menu, your beverage menu, or your food menu? You know what? Let's um, let's do what you said. Let's go with the food, food first. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So our food menu is uh, 
I, I guess I should say that all of our menus surround themselves around the theme of being craft. Uh, small production, handcrafted, everything artisanal style. So with our food, it's all coming from scratch kitchen. Everything is made fresh in the back and we focus around seasonality uh, and our garden fresh items. So they are all uh, small plate tapas type of style. So the reason why I love that and the reason why I came up with that concept and helped um, push my chef that I brought on board to that general theme is, I don't know about you, but I used to go to restaurants all of the time and you sit down and you have 30 to 50 items on a large menu where you end up spending multiple minutes searching through this menu to identify one thing that you're going to end up having to eat. And the reason why you pick one thing is typically because it's very large and you know you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to eat more than that and so you will have leftovers and so you have to settle on one thing. I always was bothered by that a little bit because I always wanted to go to a place and I would look at a menu and think, man, I want to try this, I want to try that, I want to have like little tastes, little bites of, of everything. And so with the um, younger demographic and the, the millennials um, more as they approach the as they come into drinking age, as they come into uh, adulthood, that's a lot of the same thought process that's going on with people is that they want to go in and they're, they're buying appetizers a lot because they're wanting to try multiple things from the menu. So I think uh, you know, Spanish tapas, they really had something when they thought of that, the smaller plates that don't fill you up, uh, but that give you an opportunity to try multiple things and that's really what we have done with our, our menu side. Everything California fresh, uh, fresh ingredients, really unique spins on traditional meals. So for example, uh, you go into a really fine dining restaurant, you may, might spend $30 to have their short rib meal. Uh, well here you only spend $10 and you, yes, it's a smaller portion, it's four ounces versus if you went to a restaurant for eight ounces, but it gives you an option to come and experience kind of a fine dining type of style but you don't have to spend as much things are more approachable I think that is you know I think it's interesting this this uh, millennial generation they seem to want experiences more than they want things you're absolutely and, right and and so I think that coming to a place where they can try out lots of different things and have that experience rather than you know I'm not saying they don't still like their phones and their <laughs> shoes and those things as well they but, do but <laughs> But experiences are important, and I, rather than going to the same restaurant all the time, rather than ordering the same thing every time they go to a restaurant, I mean, I know people who do that, but they eat the same thing every time they go to a restaurant, I know. and then they have a limited number of restaurants they go to, and yeah. you're just like, well, yeah. how fun is that? That's and right. so I love this idea of having just small bites. Um, and um, so then tell us about how you developed your, your beverage men menu. Yeah, so uh, like I mentioned in my past, I am very passionate about the liquor industry in general. Uh, so for me, when I was with Total Wine and I was traveling across the country to different markets, I would see these small families creating this amazing wine or these uh, you know, couple guys that started their brewery in their garage and built something that was incredible. The thing that made me really passionate was that in the liquor industry, it's really controlled by the big guys. You know, the big marketing dollars, that's, that's what you hear about. You hear about the Schmiernoffs of the world. You hear about the absolutes of the world because that's, that's a lot of marketing dollars behind them. The unfortunate part with that is 
there's a lot of small business in this industry that gets left behind because uh, they don't have that marketing dollar, but they're making incredible, incredible products, stuff that I was really passionate about and thought, why is this not getting as big of a voice as it needs to? So for me, not that I am this large multi, you know, billion dollar chain that's going to grow across the United States, but for me, it was just, it's one place that I could bring my passion and merge it and say, okay, let me give a voice. Let me give you a small section, a small spot and give a voice to these small guys. So with that being said, my, my cocktail menu, the spirits that I have brought in, the, uh, the breweries that I pick and put on our taps, um, even the wineries, they're all small batch um, products that are not only incredible and really, really well done, but they're also a lot of stuff that you don't see in a grocery store. You don't find at your nearest you know, Circle K to go pick up. So I think it gives not only a voice to those people, but it gives an opportunity for the average consumer to come in and get to try something that, that, that they're not seeing all of the time and that's not um, at their typical you know, spot. And so uh, with that being said, the cocktails were developed with really small batch items uh, with a focus on an artisanal flair. So the bartenders are really talented here. They uh, are capable of creating a cocktail that's all from fresh ingredients. So I tried to get away and steer away from bars that, especially back in the 90s, that uh, you would take a mixer and you'd take alcohol, you'd put it together on ice and you'd call it a cocktail. So we got away from that. We went back to traditional bartending and uh, really put together some cocktails that are incredibly well balanced, uh, all from fresh ingredients and and also approachable for the consumer. So that's what we did. That sounds really neat. Um, yeah, I got to admit, I'm not much of an alcohol person myself, and in fact, I don't I don't in, I don't drink very often. But when I started to teach this class, I thought, you know what, I really need to like know a little bit more than I know and so I began drinking two or three beers a week I would go and get those you know those flights where you can go yeah. to pick just a different bar um, bottles of beer of course and, um, and before I started this I thought I don't like beer and what I learned is that I do like some beers but I am still picky about which beers I like and so I have a very specific taste but how would you encourage a person who maybe has limited they've only drank Bud Life their whole life <laughs> How would you encourage them to kind of explore learning more? And especially if they're going to be in the business where maybe the, the bar part isn't the, the focus, but it's still part of their business. How would you um, encourage them to explore and learn more about that? Great question. So I would say that I started once right where you just mentioned. So back in the day, I used to only drink Fetzer Gewurztraminer as the wine that I chose, which was a sweet white wine. I would only drink uh, Coors Light because that's what I knew, or Bud Light. And so I think everybody really starts there. Every palate um, and every taste really starts there. So what I would always encourage is to is to find a passion behind what you're what you're trying, especially for this business too. Is you're not ev always going to like every single product that comes in. Of course not. We all have tastes. We all have preferences. But as you start to develop your palate. For me, every sip that I took was much, much better if I knew the story and the experience behind it. So 
you know, if you are um, having a sip of Coors Light, for example, you might not really know that story. There's not a lot of people around that can really express that story anymore because it's a huge, huge industry. It's a mass-produced uh, beer, and there's really not a lot of hand crafting that's going on anymore. But if you talk about, uh, you know, you find Breckenridge Passion Fruit Sour, for example, and you know the amazing people that started Breckenridge Brewery in Oregon, and you identify with them on, on their passion, I think that sip just gets even better. You're able to really find the heart and the love that went into that product, and it makes it such a, a better experience. And so I would encourage you in anything that you do, no matter what type of business, I would always say find your passion or identify on some sort of, um, you know, even playing field with that, with that uh, person. So for you, for example, if you're trying new beers and as you're exploring, uh, I highly suggest to look up that brewery, you know, find out what they're doing, find out what their passion is about making beer. And then I think it'll be a lot easier for you to... Um, uh, you know, really taste it and go, wow, like I can taste the spirit that they put behind it, or I can taste the love that they put behind it. As you were talking, it reminded me of a, something I studied when I was in college years, I won't talk about how many years ago it was, but we had to do a paper on a business, a small, or actually I think it was a small business, but I did celestial seasonings, which at the time mm -hmm. was quite a small business. It's not, I mean, it was, it was, it was national, but it was small, not like it is today. Mm -hmm. And I love the story of Celestial Seasonings because it was about these guys basically were hippies that lived out there and they were picking plants and making teas. And it's just a really wonderful story about these guys who got together and came up with an idea and, and then had this community. And they would play sports. They played volleyball, I think, during their breaks. Right. So a couple of years ago, I happened to be up in um, Colorado and decided to go to the Celestial Seasonings plant, mm -hmm. which is no longer this fun little place. It's a huge, <laughs> huge operation. Right. But it still had some of that spirit that was left in it. You know, the, you could still see some of that in the operation, even though it had become a, a, a huge, huge, huge corporation. Mm -hmm. And so I do, I love that idea of getting to know more than just the product, but getting to know the story. Yeah, you know, that's, absolutely. That's really fun. Absolutely. So tell me what's the, the most challenging thing about starting a business or about just running a business? Great question again. Um, you know, I think if I had to... Of course, there's a ton. There are a ton of t challenges with with any business that you go into, or whether it's you open it up yourself or you're working for somebody to grow their their company. But I think the biggest challenge that I have, and probably multiple business owners have, is being able to uh, separate yourself from from the business. Being able to take a step back and have a work-life balance because when it is yours I mean I can sit here and I can tell you uh, you know opening a business is expensive of course you have to earn a ton of money to, to get it or you have to get money from somewhere else um, I can tell I can sit here and tell you that the hours are long and you know I can give the typical spiel for a business and it's all true but I think the the major part for me for having my own business is being capable of separating yourself and still having life balance because your your business surrounds you every single day and every minute of the day you're constantly thinking about this baby that you have pretty much given birth to and so for me uh, it's making sure that I still take time for myself that I still have time to live my personal life that I still have time to put 
effort towards me as a as a person rather than just always encompassing myself in in this business um, that's my the biggest challenge to me yeah and you know it's interesting because um, I think whenever you're in the food business even if you are not if you're not in only that yourself it's hard to walk away I was telling someone the other day that um, I used to get phone calls like at five o'clock in the morning from someone saying we can't find the muffins well, I'm in bed. I'm pretty sure I can't find them from here. Why are you calling me? You know, right. I mean, you know, and then they'd say, well, I'm, I'm, they're there. Well, we can't find them. Well, look again, you know, That's and you'd right. be like, oh, really? Did you have to call me? But, you know, whenever it's open, it's always a little bit of your mind. You know, even if it's your time off, if it's open, you've got to kind of have part of your mind going, I hope everything's going okay over there. That's right. And you do need to find that balance, though, so that you don't let it totally obsess you and that you can enjoy yourself and have a little bit of a life. So you kind of addressed um, the challenges. So tell me what you love about it. What was it that made you want to do this and what is it that you're enjoying the most about it? Yeah, uh, so when I was a young girl, I said that I always, I've had since uh, a young age an entrepreneurial spirit. I literally would walk around when I was five years old at my, um, my father's business meetings. I would walk around with artwork that I had drawn and trying to sell it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I would go up to people and tell them how great this picture was and tell them they needed three of them for their, for their place and you know they were a nickel each type of thing. So I've always had that spirit of, of you know, how can I build something, how can I make something that is something that the consumer wants. And so for me, uh, this business was not only a lifetime goal of mine for me to be able to build something of my own, put it together and watch it grow, but it's also, like I mentioned before, just really passions merging together. So I think the, I think the one thing, if I had to target, it, target one thing and say, that's what I love the most about this, is literally I get to sit back on a daily basis and look at my vision that I, that I put together from graph paper, whether it's the, you know, ambiance and everything, the design in this building, to the spirits that I've hand-selected, to the team that I've, I've hired on and I've built and I've trained. For me, I get to sit back every once in a while when I have that moment, I get to sit back and I get to say, like, that is yours. Like, you develop that from scratch and you get to watch as people come and enjoy it. I do have to watch as people don't enjoy it too, so that's another side of it. But for the most part, you know, the positive reviews and people getting excited about what we're doing here and people, people looking at what I've created and loving it, that's incredible to me. And I think for any business owner, I think that's what we all find as something that keeps us going back for more and wanting, wanting to do more because it's like the little artwork paper that I did when I was a kid like when I drew it and thought it was really special and then someone else found something special in that that meant a lot that 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 was encouraging and I think that's the same thing that happens uh, even today with these places that um, that we all build as business owners so but you get to let somebody else appreciates what your, all your hard work and yeah. you get to see that so I learned about your um, business through Twitter okay um, <laughs> I'm thinking it but sometimes when I see something on Twitter, I do not know how I found it. Gotcha. I, my guess is it was a Phoenix kind of New Times. Yes. Did you guys do an, did you do an interview with New Times? We did. All right. 
Um, I'm assuming that's how it was, but I also know that the Small Business Administration guy, when I talked to him, I just talked to him before we did the interview, he told me, I know a business you need to go and see. <laughs> and um, you didn't know him or anything, right? It's just, nope. he just, he read about your business and he thought that was a good idea. Mm -hmm. He said it was a good location and he just was, so he was, he was one, so great minds think alike that we were going to come <laughs> visit with you. But um, how are you going to go, how have you and how are you going to continue to market your business? Yeah, great questions. Uh, so what we've done prior to this is, you know, my goal for opening a new concept and a brand new brand in the area was to really give a big push uh, and a big media blitz right at the beginning. So for our grand opening, for our soft opening, I really focused on any outlets that I could get into. Because realistically, when you're doing a brand new concept, no, per well, let's say, for the most part, no press is, is, is bad press. I mean, any, any type of press that you can get yourself into is good, even, even if it's somebody saying, oh my gosh, did you see that crazy dog out on Bitter's patio the other night? Well, that's great, because at least then people start talking about, well, what's Bitter's and where, where is that? So my idea has been to try to get in, involved in as many publications, as many uh, media resources and outlets as I can. A lot of that is networking and who you're involved with and who you know. So I've had a lot of great partnerships in the past with uh, the industries that I have been in. I've also uh, made a lot of great uh, partners, friends in Arizona being born and raised here. So I have attempted to get the word about bidders out as much as possible. So we've been in, like you said, Phoenix, uh, New Times. We've been in the uh, Arizona Republic. We've been on Fox recently for a Taste of the Town segment. Um, we even went on Smart Shopper for for uh, ABC, which is not your my typical demographic and target market for this place. But like I said, I mean, any press is good press at, the, at, the, at this point. Um, the big focus as we go forward, because all of my money has been, um, I've, I've raised my own money for this place, I guess I should say. So I don't have any other, other investors. Uh, I've done this all on my own. And so budget is huge for this place. Uh, sticking to budget is really, really important, especially in this industry. So marketing dollars are not huge. I'm not running off of a really large uh, campaign budget or, or marketing budget. So I have to put my money into the right outlets. And luckily, my background in marketing and my um, education in marketing has helped me to, to align myself correctly with what outlets are going to be the best return on my investment. Uh, and right now, for this industry, it's social media. You said it. You saw it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are are getting their information from Facebook. A lot of their uh, a lot of people are finding the next spot to eat on online. Google or even Yelp um, or uh, Instagram nowadays. So social media is really really crucial, and that's our that's our big focus as we move forward. It's really interesting. I'm on my phone the other day. I've only noticed this a couple times. I was sitting there just waiting for somebody. I was waiting for my son or something, and on my phone popped up a little message. We found a um, we found a lunch place for you. And I'm like, <laughs> well, did I tell you I was hungry? Um, and I just thought heard that, your stomach growling. I heard your stomach growling or something, and I was like, how does my phone know it's almost lunchtime? I, well, obviously it knows it's the time, and but then it popped up a place that I knew right there around the corner. But um, it's amazing what they have now. And so without an online presence, it would be very, very difficult to, to market today. 
incredibly difficult, especially to the target markets that we are pursuing now. I mean, the um, the millennials and the thirty-sums and forty-sums. I mean, they are uh, they are finding all of their information online. We we get everything. Our news. We are we are told you know what time it is. We are told um, what places are hot. You know, all from our phone, from our computer, uh, from the internet. And there's a lot of a lot of information that has been capable of um, being exposed through these outlets. And so, for you to open a business right now and not have an online presence and not be capable of being relevant in the social media stage, it would be very difficult. You'd have to have a totally different concept and be marketing to a completely different audience. So did you do your own um, webpage or did you hire that out? Great question. It's kind of funny too. I did my own webpage originally. So when I first started this business, I did, I did everything on my own. I was doing my media, my advertising, the website design, the licensing, the community you know, memberships, the um, hiring HR. I mean, I was doing every piece of a department of a company, I was taking that on initially. And as we get, got closer to opening and deep into the construction phase of this location, it's so important to be capable of delegating out and giving, giving others the chance and opportunity to, to help build the business as well. So with that being said, I had a great, great friend of mine from college that owns a, uh, and operates herself and her own media and marketing uh, website design company. So I partnered with her and uh, she has helped me out now to get this amazing website that we currently have um, and helps to manage that process now. Yeah, I, I noticed it was a good website and I was like, hmm. What if she did it herself? Um, <laughs> I wish I could take total credit for it, but I can't. <laughs> um, and so I think that's an important thing. Is this, um, who, what, what things do you think? I mean, I know that's going to depend upon what your personal skills are, but what would you in general recommend that a business outsources and get somebody else to do it for them rather than trying to do it all? Yeah, so I think the biggest strength that you can have as a leader these days is knowing your weaknesses, knowing your opportunities for growth. And so if you can do that and you can assess yourself to your point, knowing your own strengths, if you can assess yourself, then you can really align your business with what is um, who you need to partner with, who you need to bring in. Because I think it's very important, and I didn't say this, but I think if you hire smarter than you, that you're going to be successful. I'm a huge proponent in taking people that have really great talents, especially ones that I don't have, and helping to promote those talents and helping to um, grow those talents because then you're going to have a diverse, really successful business then. So I personally think, so for myself, for example, I'm not incredibly uh, technologically savvy. So although I, have, I can look up online and I can read about how to develop a website, I'm not going to be the best one for that. And there's a lot of work that goes into that to, to maintain a really solid presence online. Uh, so that's something I outsourced. I think for, I wish there was an easy statement or equation for somebody to be able to outsource um, specific things for a business, but it's really going to be about what you can, number one, what you can take on yourself. Number two, what what are your strengths? 
because then of course pursue those and then find people to help you with your weaknesses um, and then number three it's going to all be about budget right because uh, if I could if I had the opportunity to outsource more I would um, but a lot of that stuff you you have to take on especially with with your own business you have to be the one that learns how to learns how to manage a construction crew you know you have to be the one that learns how to apply and put a license in for um, you know your your construction work or your sign permits or your uh, alcohol permits uh, you have to be depending on your budget you really have to learn on the fly and and grow your business as best to your ability and then what I would say is as soon as you can identify those areas of opportunity and outsource one of the things I think that is real important, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, is that even if you outsource your finances, you need to understand what's going on. Oh, you're so right. Um, so right. I've just heard some really bad stories about people who trusted somebody else to handle their finances mm -hmm. and it, it, you know, or their taxes, and they were signing papers and didn't really understand what they were signing. And yeah, for you. You know, anybody that I've helped in the past develop business plans for or develop their own companies, um, if you are not savvy about your own numbers and your own operation, the chances are, the chances are you, number one, could do much better, and then number two, there's probably something that's happening that you, uh, that's, that's impeding upon your success for your business. So I think knowing your numbers is crucial in any industry that you're in. I don't care if you are opening a restaurant or if you're opening a retail shop or you're opening a hair salon, for example. I mean, you really need to know and understand your numbers from, from the money that's going out of the door to the money that's coming in. And so I could not agree more uh, with you than understanding you don't need to be uh, fully educated to where you can do your own, you know, CPA work and then your own economic, you know, forecasting. You don't have to be so incredibly knowledgeable about every avenue, but you have to have a really thorough understanding about profit and loss statements, uh, what expenses are are currently, what costs do you have compared to your pricing and your revenues. It's it's amazing to me to see other fellow folks that that open restaurants that really don't have an understanding of their costs you know if you go into a place and people don't know what their alcohol costs are or what their uh, food costs are or what their overall labor costs uh, I just don't understand how you can really run a successful business if you're not thoroughly knowledgeable about that yeah. and a lot of times people will say well I'm just pricing things the way they like like my competitors well, you don't know where your competitor is sourcing their items. You know, it might right. be that their prices are a lot higher than yours or a lot lower than yours. You know, it depends upon what what quality of product they're buying. And, and there's just so many factors that go on. You don't know what their labor cost is. You don't know anything about that business. And so you cannot say, well, I'm just going to look at the competitor's price and price them about the same. That's right. Okay, maybe that will work, but uh, there's a good chance it's not going to because you have to know your own, your own costs and your own issues. That's right. Um, this last question is kind of a little bit sensitive, but I want to ask you, <laughs> one of the things I know is that you really care about hiring good people that you really trust and that you really value, mm -hmm. but in the bar business, employee theft is an issue. Um, what do, what is. kinds of things do you, can you put into place to kind of deal with employee theft other than hiring good people? Yeah, great. Uh, so other than hiring the right type of people, it's really important to that though, so I don't want to skim by it because uh, of course, 
finding and attracting the right talent for your organization is crucial. So that's, that's you know, step one. A really thorough onboarding process when they come on and a really good training program when the people come on is great too because then you set, uh, not only you build their loyalty to you as an organization and you build their um, engagement with you. Engagement and loyalty are huge to reduce theft. Um, you help to bring them on and then you also create a sense of control. Sense of control is huge for an organization to be successful. And what I mean by a sense of control is uh, you have to have a lot of systems in place. So I highly encourage uh, some type of monitoring system, of course, like cameras, uh, theft protection in that sense. But then you have to, for, to minimize internal theft, you really have to ensure that there are really good SOPs, really good standard operating procedures in place, like inventory control, uh, like uh, giving your team members empowerment to make decisions, but not too much to where they can make decisions that harm the business. So a good POS system where they don't really have a lot of uh, leeway to create prices on their own or, or create uh, food and cocktail and uh, food items without tickets. POS systems are really important. Uh, and then I would also say that if you can create in your building a really good teamwork environment, so if you can really promote teamwork, then your people will help to minimize theft internally as well. So if they're all working together for a common goal and you're always promoting that, then it's a lot harder for someone to uh, get away with sticking out like a sore thumb. So yeah. uh, I really like that. Uh, the policies and procedures, yeah, that's really an important thing. If my son worked at a job this summer, and it was so funny because every time something would happen, like at work, the next day they would get a policy on their desk, <laughs> but there was no manual. Like the, the, then those things would just get thrown away. So it was, and they were they say, well, we one person trains the next person. That's right. Well, if the, that first person is a horrible trainer, they're, they've done a horrible job training the next mm -hmm. person, and it just keeps passing on. That's right. And so having a procedure manual, making sure all your employees understand that, know what the guidelines are, and then I also think sometimes, especially if you hire people who don't really know the business, if they're young. You probably don't see as much of that because you have a slightly older um, staff, but they think that there's there's just all kinds of money to be made. And one of the things we've talked about in, in some of these other podcasts is how thin the profit margin is on a restaurant, and that you know you <laughs> that's right you, you can't be affording to to give out free drinks and and food to your friends mm -hmm. and still make a profit. That's right. And so I think letting them know that as well, mm -hmm. you know, making them aware that you're not getting rich off of this. Right. And. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, to that point, it, it's, it's amazing to watch team members come in and really educate them on what things cost. I mean, to the point of just breaking down when I have meetings with my team members on when they accidentally let a glass slip through their hands and it crashes and breaks on the ground. Yes, mistakes happen, but educating them and making sure that they know that each one of those glasses are $4 and then breaking it down for them when they think about the drink. Uh, you know, if, if we're only making a couple dollars per drink, look what just happened when you dropped a $4 glass. You know, your margins just completely sink. And realistically, for that one drink that you just sold, and maybe we made $3 on the, on the drink, 
you just lost it because you broke a glass prior to that. Mm -hmm. And so getting to a point where you're really overly educating your staff on, on numbers is crucial. Um, making sure that they're aware that, again, like this business does not have a lot of margin involved. And when they waste liquor uh, because it spills out of their you know, mixing tin or they pour a beer incorrectly and the, the foam you know, takes up most of the glass and they have to waste half of it. Just overly educating them, they will have an understanding then of, okay, there's not a ton of money. You know, Erica's not rolling in the dough in the back of uh, in the room so I can take a few dollars. Yeah. So, that, yeah, it's definitely important. She's not hiding the rolls um, at her house. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for um, meeting with me today. And I think, you know, our, our listeners will have learned a lot. And um, But I really appreciate the fact that you had a, you know, you're, you're happy to be here and you're passionate about what you're doing. And, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, Sometimes people spend so much time talking about the negative sides of a business, and you're like, well, why does anyone do it then? Right. And so I'm, I'm pleased by that. So yeah, Good. Well, well, thank you for having me. And I, I definitely, I think if you're, not, if you're not passionate or excited about what you're doing, then you're in the wrong business. And I think you, everybody can find something that they are passionate or believe in. And I think that's a great route to start if you have people that are wanting to pursue their own business in the future. Uh, find something that's that's passionate for them and um, you know really grow on that try to identify a need because there needs to be there, there has to be a need out there for you to to uh, fulfill but it also needs to be something that you're excited about and passionate about yeah and definitely there is a need since um, this bar is right next to um, sky song where all these workers are probably coming out of work and needing a drink so that's right. anyways well thanks a lot thank you <laughs> Ooh, that went really good